Also, I just want to mention, I said the same thing about shutting off your expectations when we were watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you guys didn't agree with me. But that wasn't fun. That was stupid. <laughs> yeah, that was a little... I couldn't feel the same way about that one. <laughs> Welcome, screensavers. I'm Michael Gallat. I'm Matt Sturdivant. I'm Tyler Sitkus. Together, we host the Silver Screensavers podcast, and the wait is over. We've been waiting a while, some of us for 20 years, but it's time for Tyler's Dream, the new Adrian Lyon film starring Ana de Armas and Ben Affleck, Deepwater. Let's go! Later. <laughs> Later on, we'll be making our final Oscar prediction, so please stick with us for that. We're going to skip weekly watch list and movie news this week, but we do just want to mention that we saw X. This is the new Ty West horror movie. Um, We're all going to save our thoughts on this because we're going to do a full review on a future episode, but we wanted to mention it because we would like everybody, as many people as possible, to see it. This movie is an excellent return to slasher films that you would see in the late 70s and definitely throughout the 80s. We recommend all horror fans see it. Uh, Do you guys have anything to say about it now? Go see it. It's awesome. Go X. Absolutely. I'm just so pumped after the last few slasher movies we've had this year to get a really good slasher. <laughs> yes, I, I had the same exact thoughts after we came out of that. I, I already ordered my X merch from A24's website, so Did I'm all in. the pants or the shirt? You know what? I, I realized I had some extra money on my PayPal balance, so I ended up getting both. Oh, are you ever going to wear them both? Probably. Oh, okay. Every time we sense. record this podcast from now on. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> and never never watch them in between in the real spirit of the movie. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to move right into deep water. First, I would like to discuss Adrian Line. This is a special episode, I think, for all of us for different reasons. Uh, for me, is that this is because this is the first time in 20 years that we have gotten a movie from Adrian Line. And I love the films of Adrian Lyne. He brings such style to these really ridiculous stories. And even if he can't, well, even if they're not always made thematically compelling or even comprehensible sometimes, it doesn't really matter. And I don't care because the watching experience is fun as hell and bonkers as hell. And I love that in a movie. He's so skilled at getting the best out of movie stars, whether that be Michael Douglas and Glenn Close or Diane Lane and Richard Gere. His films are often grappling with people who are generally well-adjusted, dealing with their baser impulses or circumstances which lead them to break their normal patterns of behavior. And he has a lot of classics. Flashdance is a special one to me. This is a movie that makes me cry from the first notes of What a Feeling by Irene Irene Cara. Uh, This is some of the most impressive techniques of shooting dancing that I have ever seen. This is a supreme ecstasy-inducing movie about dreams, and maybe the best movie ever set in Pittsburgh. So go to Pittsburgh for that one. We have nine and a half weeks. This is a movie I endure despite it being incomprehensible. I'm still not really sure what happened in that one. It's basically Kim Basinger and Mickey Rourke running around New York having odd adventures and when i say odd 
I mean, there are several times in the movie where I have no idea what is going on. And after that, we get to Fatal Attraction, which nominated for six Oscars, including Best Picture. And this is an all-time knockout thriller. Glenn Close crafts maybe the most forcefully unforgettable character ever in an erotic thriller. Michael Douglas is right at home as like a slightly sleazy everyman as he often is and he's made us love him for that and ann archer refuses to be sidelined as his wife and of course we have whitey the rabbit an interesting film morally that i could do a whole episode on and should probably be re-examined especially the ending but there are so many iconic scenes i don't totally know what his best film is but this is the obvious answer fatal attraction uh, Jacob's Ladder, Trauma, Psychological Horror with Tim Robbins and Elizabeth Pena. Not Lyon's best film by any means, but there are a lot of inventive, creepy effects. Apparently, this had a large influence on the Silent Hill series, which I never would have guessed. But hey, go Adrian Lyon. Indecent Proposal. You know, this is the movie where Robert Redford offers Woody Harrelson and Demi Moore a million bucks to spend a night with her. It's one of those movies where the first half is much better than the second half. Is It has like the the sex on a bed of money scene, which is shot really well. Uh, but again, the star performances are so good here that you just want to see what these people will do and spend some time with them on screen. And his last film before Deepwater, Unfaithful, this is one of my favorites. This might not be entirely true, but... Unfaithful is kind of like the cozier version of Fatal Attraction. I love the wind in the city in the beginning leading to Paul's dream of an apartment. Diane Lane and Richard Gere give two of the performances of their careers. Olivier Martinez is an excellent third to that romantic triangle. For such a despairing film, it's such a nice one to live in. It has one of those moments where a big change happens. You go, oh, snap. I have no idea what they're supposed to do now. Right, so it's almost like you can play along uh, with the characters, and you know, think, "Oh, what did I do?" It's a great conversation movie. My grand hope is that we'll get another from Adrian Line. He is 81, and I'm not saying that he's going to pass away. I hope he lives a happy life for many years to come. But you know, 81. Not all filmmakers are Ridley Scott pumping two out a year in his 80s. Um, so you never know. So I hope we get another one or multiple. Or at the very least, uh, we'll be able to talk about his movies more extensively. But let's not worry about that now because we do have one to talk about extensively. And this is Deepwater. This is about an unhappily married couple who test each other's limits as the husband struggles to cope with his wife's affairs. This is directed, of course, by Line, written by Zach Helm and Sam Levinson and based on the 1957 novel by Patricia Highsmith, who also wrote Strangers on a Train, the talented Mr. Ripley. Hollywood owes a lot to her. You can watch this right on Hulu. So, Matt, what were your thoughts on Deepwater? I have to say, I, I think I was probably the least enthused about this movie of the three of us. I wasn't not looking forward to seeing it. I was curious. I, I'm, I have not watched any other Adrian Lyne films in the past, so I was very unfamiliar with him as a director going into it completely blind pretty much this movie it was a mess but it was a fun mess uh, i i i look at some of the other reviews of it and i think 
I do think a lot of the reviews are a little more harsh than my opinion of it. I mean, I gave it a solid three, but I know it's been averaging about two, two and a half out of five, or like a five, five out of ten on IMDb. And I think, um, I think this is a particular type of movie for a particular type of audience. Overall, um, I hesitate to recommend it to just anybody. If you're a fan of erotic thrillers, I think it's worth checking out. It may not be your favorite, but it's definitely worth it, and I think it's a great vessel for Ben Affleck and Anna de Armas, especially Ben Affleck. I think I made this, well, no, I did make this observation on Twitter. I, I want. I feel like Adrian Lyne saw that meme of Ben Affleck smoking and like looking incredibly stressed, and was like, "That's my guy. I need for this role." Because <laughs> probably he 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 emulates that throughout this entire movie. Tyler, what did you think? This is the greatest movie of all time. No, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's, it's solid. I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about his movies and. When you're talking about his movies as a whole, they're just kind of bonkers, you know? I think you just need to look at it that way. Like, you're not coming in for an engaging plot. You're, you're coming in for this bonkers, wild time that you're going to have. And this movie is a mess, and I enjoyed it so much. And <laughs> you know what I... Anna you know Armas is in it, which is incredible. What's up? <laughs> no, sorry. I was going to say, I wonder, I wonder if a lot of people that went into this movie went into it with, like me, where they were totally unfamiliar with Adrian Lyon because it's been so long since he's made something. Probably. So, yeah. going into this without having any any knowledge of Adrian Lyon, I could kind of see pe- people not really vi- vibing with it, I guess. I, I kind of see the genre of erotic thriller just kind of not like I'm going to go in and see like a Oscar. I mean, I get he did get nominated for Best Picture, but I mean, it's an erotic thriller. I, I wasn't going in expecting the greatest movie ever. So... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And if you're definitely a fan of Adrian Lyon, I recommend it to you. Absolutely. If you're a fan of Anna de Armas, absolutely. And everyone is. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> definitely agreed. Yeah, it definitely. If if you have the ability to just kind of let go of overanalyzing a movie, which hey, we do all the time on this show. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but if you can just like shut that off. For a couple of hours then i think this is a lot of fun i love this uh it has that quality that i enjoy from line there are two great performances from two great movie stars the plot is somewhat incomprehensible i have a lot of questions about the character choices but it's so fun that i can get past all the silly stuff and not only get past it but i indulge in the silly stuff yeah i was fully embracing that <laughs> yeah it was it was a good part of it the pacing isn't too fast or too slow the dialogue is incredibly cutting i was like i was biting and i'm not a person who generally like has verbal reactions to movies but i was alone in my home when i was watching this so i was having a lot of verbal reactions this is just an absolute blast this is a thriller with snails and roly-poly oli in it he brought back roly-poly oli shout out to the roly fans out there. actually it's roly-poly ollie is it? He said Ollie in the movie. Okay. I well, saw that no. scene twice, so I know. No, we're getting that he, out of here. He mispronounced it. Come on. It said nighttime Ollie or bedtime Ollie. He never watched the show. <laughs> also, I recommend this to anyone who's looking for a silly good time. Also, I just want to mention, I said the same thing about shutting off your expectations 
when we were watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and you guys didn't agree with me. But that wasn't fun. That was stupid. <laughs> yeah, that was a little... I couldn't feel the same way about that one. If you could, I then I say yes, but uh, I couldn't get there with that one. I still like that one, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've had enough time with Deepwater to say where this rates and lines work. It's definitely on the lower end, and that's okay. Um, that's all really only because he's made so many classics. That's like saying, you know, West Side Story is not Spielberg's greatest work but it still blew me away not that i'm saying it june line is steven spielberg you know but that's the kind of thing the performances here are truly amazing ben so ben affleck plays vic van allen he was more of the central character than i expected him to be um not that you know definitely Ana de Armas says melinda was incredible and was a perform it was a compelling presence but um, I guess he kind of took center stage, which I was not expecting. I thought it would have been a little more of a two-hander, um, but when he's doing the things he's doing, it makes sense. Ben Affleck was so, like, so layered. He was searing. He was cutting. He was, like, calm in the face of these really strange and terrible things there's the scene where she's just like smacking at him as he's driving and his face like <laughs> remains completely blank and he doesn't react at all but then there's these undercurrents of anger and rage and this uh, like vileness beneath him um he had some of the most snarky comments in the whole movie he's too. so snarky it's so good and he's threatening and I guess it, it, well, I'll get there with his job, but what would you guys think of Ben? I enjoyed him more than a lot of people that I'm seeing online did. But again, I think he's definitely changed, <clears throat> I think he's definitely channeling his um, infamous paparazzi photo in this mo movie. He just like, he constantly looks like he's about to snap at any point, and I'm not going to spoil it, but maybe he does. We'll see. <laughs> Tyler, I'll, I'll let you talk about De Armas. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for De Armas. Is yeah, that go I'm ahead. going now? I'm going yeah. now? Oh, my God. I told this to Matt earlier. <laughs> Any scene in this movie, like, if this, if, if she told me, she could tell me to do anything, and I would do it. <laughs> so let's imagine you were allergic to shellfish. Would you eat a nice bowl of lobster bisque? I would eat an entire, entire... Uh, pot of lobster biscuits. <laughs> no, she doesn't like lobster bisque, though. That's the thing. So I need to eat it all because, or else it's gonna go to waste. <laughs> Man, I, I I was not here for the lobster bisque slander in this movie. <laughs> I know lobster bisque is phenomenal. So. Yeah, she she was excellent. She same thing. Like, I feel like very layered, but like in a juxtaposed way to him, where he kept everything close to the chest and she was very external um, but hiding these these darker motivations inside and was, oh, go ahead i was just kind of shocked how like kind of deplorable they made her like, hmm. just in most of her actions i mean they both were <laughs> they yeah. were absolutely they're both but... terrible <laughs> We also get, uh, I just want to say, Grace Jenkins as Trixie, their daughter, like, real, like, uh, came in clutch in these key moments and was, 
really carry that like knowledgeable child role where she knows much more than she should for a kid uh very much like the ellen character in fatal attraction um so my hats off to her she was great tracy letts as as don a character i'm not entirely sure who this person is or why he's doing the things he's doing this is the goofiest character I've ever seen in a movie. Like, he just shows up, like, at random just because. Like, I didn't understand any of what he was doing throughout this movie. We're, and we're I don't want to spoil funny. it, but... Oh safe and safe. Yeah, yeah, I hated this guy. <laughs> I didn't hate him. I d- so No, I hated the character. We will get to this. But I was questioning the whole time why he was doing what he was doing. And then on my second watch, there's something that happens very close to the end where I go, oh, that might be a little insight into why he's doing it. I could be wrong, but I got a little clue. So I can't wait to talk about that. Is it the line that I'm thinking of? I cannot read your mind over over this meeting, so I don't know. I I wish that maybe it probably is. We'll uh, and then I don't know how you guys feel, but Little Ray Howry, I just enjoy him in every, any movie that he's in. I even liked him in that really bad movie, Vacation Friends, the oh. like Hulu comedy. That movie is <laughs> awful, awful. He, I like, I liked him in um in Bad Trip with Eric Andre. Oh, I didn't see that, but I'm sure he's great. I, I like him in everything. I even watched a couple episodes of his show that I don't think is on anymore um but yeah he's he's the kind of guy that i'll watch in anything also did you guys see good boys no he was awesome in good boys too for the for the small part that he played yeah he's he's one of these that just like comes in kills it and then walks out yeah and that's what he did in this movie what I love about the role, his role in this movie is he's just there to just point out how absurd everything is. Like yeah. every line is just being like, "What is, that? What is this? Like, what's going?" On? That's true. You could. I'm trying to like run over the outline of the movie in my mind. You could take him out, and nothing in the movie would change. Am I correct about that? There's like a few characters I don't know, the, like the, that. The pool scene was fu- wasn't funny one though. The other friend, I don't know who plays him. The other friend of like of yeah. the three that just what was his role <laughs> like, he, could have, he could have been completely taken well i think the other friend was there to like have the house so they could have the big set piece party at oh true okay mm. i mean not that they couldn't have had it at their house but i think that was that was the thinking i'm guessing who knows this movie is so wild so he <laughs> There's one thing that I think maybe makes this movie not as compelling as maybe some of either lines work. And again, we really like this movie. And I could be wrong about this, but I feel like there was maybe a little lack of place. This is set in Little Wesley, Louisiana, uh, which is where it is set in the novel as well. So it's true to that. Um, and the, like the difference I noticed in this is... In Lion's other movies, you get such a sprawling view of the place. He really uses the setting as a tool for storytelling, which I know sounds obvious, but some filmmakers do it more than others. And Lion certainly always does. You know, Flashdance has Pittsburgh. A lot of his other movies feature New York and Decent Proposal. 
they're in Santa Monica and Vegas, and that movie, Woody Harrelson's an architect, so the setting is an integral piece. But I thought in this one there wasn't such like a sense of place. They were in the house a lot. They're just like in a lot of houses. Yeah. Um, so I thought maybe that was one thing. I like I wasn't expecting them to be at home so much. If you gave me like twenty five guesses for what state this took place in, I would not have guessed Louisiana. <laughs> no, I would. Apparently, it was filmed down uh, on location. Well, not not in Little Wesley, but uh, in Louisiana. Yeah, I. That was the one. Well, I guess the other piece of this is that this was filmed during COVID. So I don't know if that affected uh, where they could go or what they could do at all. I mean, it worked fine. Um, that was just a big difference that I noticed. Tyler, I'm going to ask you, how was the sex in this film? There wasn't enough. <laughs> I actually agree. I felt like it wasn't like superly erotic. Yeah, I agree. That's my biggest complaint on it. I I didn't know, I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine too, but I just like I don't know. And again, not to compare every two seconds, but compared to the the fatal attraction stuff to the unfaithful stuff, it it just seemed. Well, that's, I don't know. Well, I, I guess that's where my disadvantage is. I I'm not. I don't have anything to compare this to. Well, I don't. But like even. I just felt like the sex didn't play as integral a part as I thought it would. Yeah, I was very thrown off by the entire story of, like, how it played out. I thought it was, like, he knew about this, but, like, it was very odd and, like, kind of getting into spoilers, but not really. Like, it's just from the base, like, she, she doesn't want him to know about it, yet just flaunts it in front of him. I don't really understand that. Yeah. Plus, we only, well, maybe I should save that for after, but I'll say we don't really get much of her with with the other men. Mm-hmm. And she dates a lot of other men in the mm-hmm. movie. And we also don't really get a ton between the husband and wife. And even the stuff we got, I thought was like... That was so corny. It, it, was, was, it, was, it was really bad. It was a little, like, prepackaged husband and wife sex scene yeah like a little a little torqued up beyond that but i didn't think i just don't know if it said much about them as a couple the way i would have expected it to but i I don't know that was just one one thing that i noticed and then my other question is why are these people the way they are you know i i thought it was a good aspect of their parentage and he seemed to really enjoy being a father and like having that traditional nuclear family unit and that seemed to be part of his commitment towards not just like dumping her and running whereas she you know we get that comment from her where she's like oh being a parent that was your thing that was what you wanted to do and you can definitely get this like wild child Thing from her you know whenever she's at the parties that's when she comes most alive that's when she feels most like herself whereas when she's at home she feels like she has to hide something from the rest of them um so i, I don't know there's there's such like rifts between these people i want their origin story to know how they ended up together 
Well, that's that's why I thought like just the the big like just the story itself is so different than I thought. Like they seem to completely and truly hate each other in every <laughs> every single way. And I'm like, why are these people together? Like, <laughs> yeah, I I yeah. really don't know. Especially, I couldn't figure either of them out because he seems to be more of a reserved man. You know, fun enough. Um, and pleasant enough, but a little more reserved, not a super huge partier. Again, he's a man who who refuses to dances when his wife asks him to, and he uses that as a weapon later. But, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, don't forget, he's a weird guy. They they make a point to say that multiple times. They say that the multiple times, yeah. <laughs> You're a weird From guy. multiple characters. Yeah, he goes, so I've heard. And the wife, the wife, like, challenges this almost as though she like wants him to attempt to be more controlling of her does that make sense at all because yeah, she's that's like, the interpretation i got yeah because she's like oh you know finally some passion out of you or like oh you know that would require you loving me so perhaps she interprets his sort of passivity as as a lack of love but also like he's not like he's allowing these affairs but then like not allowing them at all well, that the, was what confused me yeah same like he he allows these affairs because they're blatantly happening in his front of his face so i thought it was gonna be like he he loves her so much that like he lets this happen but then just can't but no, it's more like he hates her. There's no redeeming qualities to it, and he just doesn't yeah. like it. Like they don't like each other at all. I, there's like no reason they're together. I don't understand. I don't know. So, this is from the the description on Wikipedia, and tell me if you got this from the movie at all. Their loveless marriage is held together only by a precarious arrangement, whereby, in order to avoid the messiness of divorce. Melinda is allowed to take any number of lovers as long as she does not desert her family. Was that mentioned no, in the movie no, at no. all? That, that was not even like hinted at. <laughs> I think that's a larger part of the book. I don't think that this no. was... And like, this was definitely sold. And tell me guys if you got it differently. I feel like this was definitely sold as like an open marriage kind of movie and it's not that at all. No. That's what the trailer was cut like. Yeah. Yeah, like, no, that's not what No. It's not how it's presented. Like he's against it from the begin I like I don't understand. Like it's not he doesn't allow it. He's actively trying to stop it throughout. <laughs> I, yeah, I just I don't I don't get that at all. Uh, but let's let's dive into it a little deeper. You guys ready to get into spoilers? Oh yeah, I'm ready. All right, so go watch Deepwater before we talk about it, and come back. We want to talk with you guys. So, spoiler warning: if you have not seen the following movie, please go watch that movie and come back or accept the consequences. This does what good movies do and it sets things up well from the beginning we get him on the bike he's like undressing on the porch yeah what is for that? some reason <laughs> he's so sweaty he doesn't want the clothes in the house <laughs> and i was wondering if this was if they did that thing because we obviously end on the same scene and i was wondering oh is this the same from beginning to end but he's wearing something different mm -hmm. and he doesn't take his and, pants off and he doesn't take his, his pants, pants off so on. i 
I guess not. She really likes that <laughs> position on the, the stairs. The pants stay on after murder. Yes. Well, those were trousers. You can't can't just waste those. But yeah, we get the that nice house old McDonald scene where Trixie. Uh, I like. I did like how the Alexa was integrated pretty well. It wasn't like, oh, we're in 2022. There's Alexa. It was like nicely used as this tool for like setting up the family strife. Uh, Trixie plays old McDonald. Melinda is like, turn that off. I hate it. <laughs> and Vic, instead of being like, hey, you know, like, let's turn it off. You're going to annoy your mom. He's kind of like, <laughs> you're going to annoy your mom, you know? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, <laughs> so I, I like that. This is like sets up this undercutting relationship that they're going to have. Also kind of shows that Trixie definitely leans more toward her father, which we get throughout the movie. Mm until like midway through the movie and she just blatantly goes against him <laughs> i don't think she does i don't think she no i think she went just against him, him. yeah yeah well, <laughs> but she doesn't go against blatantly. him she just, she just, i don't like, think there was judgment yeah <laughs> it's just an odd like, why does she know that many details i was expecting her to be like tell me how you did it <laughs> uh when well, we get to the first party there's a lot of parties in this Get to the first party where we meet Joel, who's a handsome young man, played by Brendan C. Miller. He shows up, they're flirting, they're kissing by the pool. At this point, what did you guys think the arrangement is? Because you see Vic, who's not like that bothered by it. I I I thought that was like the what you know, like the synopsis hints at, like that was the arrangement. Like he's okay with it. <laughs> he clearly was not, so I th- <laughs> That's what I thought, too. I mean, but also it was, like, even different from, you know, what you would expect of an open marriage story because it's, like, at the same party. It's not like, oh, she goes out on Wednesday night to spin class, but she's really with this guy. It's, like, at the same party. (laughs) What What was up with the people with the bags over their heads? Is that a thing at parties? I don't recall that. That's a Louisiana thing. There were people who sat, unless they, were they dummies? It was like, were like my eyes deceiving me? But there were two people sitting on the floor with bags over their heads. Yeah, there were, I believe. Faces painting it on them. I, I guess I missed that part. And I saw that part. I saw the first half of the movie twice. I don't, I don't remember yeah, that. They were there unless, <laughs> unless someone slipped acid into my food twice before I watched this. Oh, you got uh, me. So, I thought the same thing. This is an open marriage, and then we get to the where Vic is having a conversation with Joel. I Joel, this is another character who I don't understand, which will be a theme throughout. Where he's like, "Hey, I just want to like thank you for letting me bang your wife. It's been like pretty cool you being so cool about it." <laughs> it. And then we get the Vic where he's like, "Hey, you know, I killed Martin McRae." Which, great name, by the way, Martin McRae, mm. to say over and over and over again, because they say it a lot. Wasn't a, What was Joel's last name? It was something else that was cl- kind Joel of clever. Joel Dash. Joel Dash. Joel Dash. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. Sounds like a porno name, for sure. It sounds like a Tug Speedman, kind of like action star, Scorcher 6 thing. I like. I really like that. I like the threatening... <laughs> 
perfect line delivery when they get back home and Vic is paying the babysitter and Melinda's taking off her dress and he's like, what are you doing? You're naked. <laughs> I, I My personal, which is a little later, when he's, when he's talking to Joel again later, he's like, I did. I hit him with a hammer. <laughs> it's just this way he's it's just so nonchalant. <laughs> yeah. Affleck, uh, he was perfect in this movie. He, <laughs> he was, was so really perfect. Good. So this is when she kind of confesses to him that she spends time with Joel because he makes her feel good about who she is, which is a totally rational reason to like somebody. But it's, I think it was part that, and it also seemed like she did it to like, almost like wrangle out this more animalistic side of Vic like she wanted that to come out and this was partly her way of doing it but I'll, I'll also maybe she just liked having affairs and her husband let her do it so maybe I'm reading into it too much but Joel wasn't trying to re remasculate him yeah re remasculate <laughs> that was funny uh Brendan C. Miller he was really good in this uh we get this <laughs> These are the little touches that are fun. The cute little you make me feel like dancing scene between Vic and Trixie didn't need to be in the movie whatsoever. But it was I, a nice cute father-daughter thing. It was even after the movie. Yeah. It was the post credit scene. Oh. <laughs> of her just singing more of the song. <laughs> it's a confounding choice, but it, it was fine. <laughs> I, I get all the more pointing to the fact that this movie was such a fun mess yeah it well, was i just want to bring up something real quick is like you said that like almost her actions were to get him to be act more assertive and stuff which i i'm gonna spoil here the ending more, but like I thought, I thought that's what like it was going to with like she's like oh yeah like oh wow he like bought for me but like she reacts very angrily to the killings earlier so i really don't understand the motive at all <laughs> I don't either. Yeah, that's a good point. You're absolutely <laughs> right. Next, we get Joel at dinner, which, why is Joel there? This is a man who told you that he killed another man who was having an affair with his wife. Just, like, told you straight up at a party. Not like, oh, something bad happened to the last man who was hanging out with my wife. He's like, I killed Martin McRae. Why, why are you going to his house? <laughs> To have dinner. Uh, and then you're making out with his wife later. What are you doing? This is a prime example of the snarky Ben Affleck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just me, me and you. Is that awkward? Yeah. <laughs> or, or later on in that scene when he's like, well, do you want me to be normal? Because if I was normal, yeah. Joel wouldn't be here right now. Yeah. <laughs> so what partly annoyed me about that is that I wanted that scene of just them two having dinner. Luckily, though... We get this excellent scene where he's saying that she has the palate of a 12-year-old. And she's like, oh, you know, he's not normal. And he's saying, oh, she had to leave room for alcohol. Excellent written scene. I love that. That was excellent. And then, uh, though, that was the lobster bisque slander. Uh, can't be tolerated. Minus half a star. I mean, we'll forgive Joel. He is allergic to shellfish. Yeah, but Anna doesn't have an excuse. No. Uh, another party this time we meet don we meet don wilson played by tracy letts 
Uh, he is meeting Vic. He's meeting the Van Allens, and he he you know he's like, oh, I, I heard you're the one who said that you killed Martin McRae, and he's like very upset about this, and he's he's the only one who's bothered. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is like, ah, oh, that's just a joke. He's just joking. He's goofing with you. Yeah, he killed a, a fr- somebody that we knew, so, or somebody that we knew went missing. He says that he killed him, and they're all just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. you know. At a certain point in this movie, I thought somehow this was going to be like a whole neighborhood conspiracy to take out the lovers. Like it wasn't going to be just him. Oh, I, I thought that there, that was going to be some kind of reveal, and I, I would have liked for something like that to happen because that would have been fun. Well, I mean, you could argue that they were they were the silent Iamry. Yeah, I... they. Well, what I found odd is like this is clearly like these close knit neighborhoods where word just travels around when anything happens because everyone knew he's what he said about Martin McRae, and yet Don is he just a new neighbor or what? Because like he's like, oh, you're Vic, and now he's integrated into this, this <laughs> unit that knows everything. <laughs> I didn't understand that. They they didn't explain it at all. <laughs> yeah, like who, who was he's just there now. <laughs> I also liked how that scene captured the awkwardness of an artist talking about their work. As a creative person, whenever somebody asks me what something's about that I wrote, it's just the worst experience ever. Because they go, okay, all right. And then I just have to like walk away and get a Shirley Temple or something like that. Uh, that's the scene where we get introduced to Kelly, who is Don's wife, and... Vic basically uses her as a weapon to to embarrass Melinda. Oh, I was I was going to bring up the drone thing, but if we yeah, do go it. on to that. Okay, so so we get a scene where we learn what Vic does and that he designed the a microchip for drone. I don't know, it's very generic. I don't know what it is. It's a computer but I love chip this, that they use in drones. Yeah, you target people. I love the thing where he's like, "Well, we could also he could also be used to locate like missing children he's like but it's not and he's like no it's not <laughs> i mean i think that was his like indicative of his personality like on the surface he wants to be very diplomatic but underneath he's just kind of a dark man <laughs> is that what it was like a morality thing like ah, i design things that like hey yeah. it's used by them for for violence i didn't design it for that it could be used for whatever <laughs> Well, kind of like the snails, too, wouldn't you say? A little bit? They're not for eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the party, we get the the fellatio in the car. Pardon my language. And this is an interesting little caveat because Melinda is jealous that he could, like, be attracted to another woman. So she is somebody that flaunts her affairs right in his face in their house, like literally where the man sleeps in their house right in front of him. And then just the very idea that he thinks that another woman could be better at sex that he's never had sex with, but that he could think that she'd be better at sex than his wife um, makes her go a little crazy. And that was interesting to me. Also, never mind. I'm not gonna, not gonna say that. I just, I, I just want to. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, was, that was an interesting. <laughs> uh, you never see that in a movie. No, you don't. No. Maybe there's a reason. Um, you, you said like she's flaunting it. She she's literally like in the house, like, hey, you gotta stay up with her and read her bedtime stories. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, and then man. shocked, he comes down. Like it's just like I didn't really understand. Like he had to know about it. She's literally like saying it, and like, like oh no, you can't catch us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to takes, do the dishes. Do yeah, all it takes is him like throwing a plate, and she's like, "Oh, you guys talk." Uh, I, I didn't get that. And then we get this this other elaborate plot with a check, and this guy named Charlie, played by Jacob Elordi, who is a piano player, and she teaches her piano, and all this kind of stuff. So he's like the second big boyfriend. Uh, Joel goes away. Joel finally came to his senses um, and went away. And then we get the the fun. Si- we didn't talk about the snails. We talk about the snails. I need to talk about Jacob Elordi. <laughs> okay, go ahead on Jacob. Public Elordi. public enemy number one, Jacob Elordi, who was Sydney Sweeney's love interest in Euphoria, and now Anna De Armas is in this. Okay, fair fair enough. <laughs> I mean, you gotta pick pick one cause to be mad about. <laughs> he's involved in both. <laughs> well, he's not as cool as the snails. That is fair. Ben Affleck, apparently a snail master. A snail whisperer. What was the snail carrier saying about him, Tyler? He said he was, like, <laughs> shockingly good with them. <laughs> like, that's the snail handler for the film so he was ben affleck was shockingly good with the snails i like the snails it was a really nice touch uh i love the the lighting up of of their sanctuary it was just something a nice detail that was thrown in that kept this from being more bland um than it would have been otherwise Tyler, did you like the when she does it in the car with Charlie? We get like this time lapse effect where it's fading to black. It's like each moment. I thought that was a cool technique. That was interesting. <laughs> oh, okay, censoring yourself. I see. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna censor myself. <laughs> you can't go too. Right, we get the third and final party, and this is the big party. Uh, they're having fun. Adults doing like keep the drink on your back as you crawl to a destination game have you guys ever played that i have not oh i play that every weekend have i have i not invited you guys yet it is march have you played this this winter oh absolutely that's the best time of year for it beer stays sounds like a sounds like a painful game i've been doing it just to train so you know i can go professional at it (laughs) you can impress the armas uh, this pool in the rain scene where Charlie is left alone with Vic in the pool. And we get like Ben a- Ben Affleck just has this like huge hulking back. And we see it creeping towards Charlie. And then he just goes inside. Again, we, we get the, the audacity to have these aff- affairs right in front of the man's face. And then he has the audacity to kill this guy just like while everyone's baking cookies inside. <laughs> well, they're also, Ten feet they're also, away. Yeah. Well, they're also high on marijuana. So obviously that means they, they are oblivious to murder. 
I they would be. I'm gonna say the drug is not always that powerful. <laughs> this is what I will say. This is where you get Don being a goofy character, where like he just peeks out and looks at them both in the yeah, pool. Yeah, like, so <laughs> maybe you guys can explain this to me. Maybe I missed something. How is it that he is behind Vic, both when he murders a guy in a pool? First of all, he's fully dressed, just walking out when it's raining, when everybody's <laughs> inside. And then later on, we'll get to the river. Why is he behind him at the river? Is he following him at that point? <laughs> I was wondering the same. Well, no, no, because I think um, Melinda had found the wallet, and she yeah. probably called him. Okay, I'm willing to believe that, but, like, come on. That was a little much. The scarf bit was a little too much. If he was there to, like... Because he seemed shocked, like, to discover what he discovered. We'll talk later. But I, Even, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He was a little shocked. Uh, the CPR... When they dropped Charlie's head on the side of the pool, I was like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was gnarly. That is bad. I, I I laugh so hard because like I was hit like cut like that <laughs> and like oh no what are you doing? <laughs> Wasn't that Don who who like dropped that side of him? Yeah, because then later later he's very quick to like pass guilt. He's like oh it had no effect on the death. Yeah, <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> Also, there's just a new friend for that scene that was, like, not in the rest of the movie. That was one of them. Yeah. One of the ones that helped him. That's true. They needed enough people. Do you think Vic actually tried, or do you think he was just putting on airs? I kind of assume he was putting on airs. I think he was like, oh, I need to save this guy. I just drown. I, I, think, I think he genuinely tried, even though... Because I think... Well, putting on airs, but I think... I think he was legitimately trying to perform CPR, but he probably knew also knew that it was too far gone. I'm willing to believe both. Because I think he had to... Which, we'll come up to a scene where I feel like he does this later as well. He tries to feign concern for these guys to try and th throw the the scent off his trail, I guess. And like I said, in the, in, with the next one, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Can I just say real quick that the police later in the scene are the worst police I think I've ever seen in a movie? Like, you've got some pretty, pretty mounted evidence against this guy. Like, you literally have a person, his own wife accusing him of murder. Yeah. And you have Don being like, yeah, I saw him the last, he was the last person with him before he drowned. And the cops are just like, well, we can't solve this one. And they just leave. They don't even, like, creep around. They're, they're just, like, gone after that. <laughs> They just take everyone's word for everything. Even Don, who's like, didn't you drop that guy on his head right at the moment where he could have been saved? Yeah, but it had no effect on the death. All right, we'll take your word for it. Well, that, that's kind of where I got the whole, you know, neighborhood cover-up theory from was after yeah, that scene. Because everyone kind of had Vic's back. You could absolutely be right. After that, we get this... <laughs> scene where Kelly, Don's wife, comes to Trixie's school to tell Vic that she doesn't approve of her husband spreading rumors. 
Why is she inside the school? Was, Why did she come to... Okay, she said she didn't know where else to find him. Okay, you wait outside. Who let you in there? Also, like, they live... They're neighbors. You don't know where else to find him. Yeah. <laughs> You're his neighbor. <laughs> well, maybe they're new neighbors, like we said. I, fair. Even if, like... Also, how did you just run into him outside the cafeteria? Yeah, were well, you just going to walk the school hoping to run into him? <laughs> She's in the boys' bathroom. Oh, hey, is Vic in here? Like, what are you <laughs> doing? <laughs> You're an adult. Like, well, actually, we see that she's a terrible parent, and so is Don in a later scene. So maybe that's part of it. Oh, true. Uh, we get the P.I. thing. Don hires a P.I. Vic finds out, which leads us to the confrontation where, hey, maybe Kelly didn't know where to find Vic, but Vic knew where to find them. They're having a fight. Uh, Vic reveals the P.I. and everything to Kelly. And then let's, let's start the campaign. Leave Goldie alone. What kind of name is Goldie? Goldie <laughs> well, Hahn. Goldie should have went in the house the first time when she told him to or told her to. Listen, I've been a kid who has seen adults fight in front of them, and you freeze sometimes. <laughs> it happens. This is a very 1957 name, so this was definitely taken from the novel. Yeah, probably. probably. <laughs> get inside, Goldie. I told you to get inside. <laughs> like, yeah, she's just sitting there like, what? Yeah, hey, Goldie, get in. You just <laughs> That's why they didn't start hitting her with a newspaper. <laughs> Also, that guy, I just want to say real quick, that P.I. was the world's worst P.I. I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he literally drove next to him on the bike, like, literally looking at him, and then drove by him. Yeah. And then he, and then he has the nerve to lie and say he's a psychotherapist. Yeah. And, it, like, I just tell you, that's not the demeanor of a therapist at all. And he's like, uh, maybe couples counseling for you guys. No, that's not, not what a therapist does. Trixie confesses to her father that she knows that she wasn't even there. And none of the other adults can figure it out. The police can't figure it out. But Trixie, you can figure out that her father killed Charlie. That's why I want to know, like, what they told her. Like, hey, my friend uh, <laughs> was drowned by your by, when your father was outside. Like, yeah. What did you tell her? That's like, oh, you drowned that guy, didn't you? They should have done an illustration of, like, the two wires and information slowly connecting in her well, brain. You don't, you don't think Melinda might have just said something and tried to tell her, convince her of that off screen? I'm I'm sure that could definitely be it. That, that's that's what I interpreted it as. It would make sense because we do see them like trying to drive a wedge, especially when Tony comes in, uh, who was like the third boyfriend played by Finn Whitrock, who was Melinda's ex lover. Um, you know, th th there was this plan to like take her and Trixie away. Am I correct about that? Yeah, to Brazil. Yeah. Um, Trixie not happy with this. So, Matt, I think you have a good theory that maybe, um, although that was after, maybe it was part of the trying to drive a wedge between her and him. Maybe she finally had enough of, of Vic, although the ending implies that she didn't. So, this, so when Tony shows up and they're making dinner, 
this is where this is where I get into the part where I feel like Vic is trying to do the best he can to feign concern and act like he doesn't want to kill this guy with the whole snail scene. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Definitely. The scene when Tony wants to go and grab some snails to cook and eat, and Vic is like, oh, well, you shouldn't do that because they're not starved. They're going to be poisonous. You know, if you really wanted to kill him, you should have just said nothing. Well, I guess then also Melinda also would have eaten the snails. Fair. Yeah, I took that to just kind of be like shaming him for being an idiot, honestly. Yeah. Like, oh. I, t- I took that in opposite direction. Not that he was concerned, but just kind of like, hey, well, moron, you do this and you die. Fair. Um, but I was just going to say, like, based on the ending, like, I thought, like, Melinda, like, was bringing, like, him in so that, like, he'd finally, like, you know, like, hey, he's forced now with, like, if he doesn't do anything, we're going to be taken away. Because how she reacts after, like, finding his wallet. But, like, the way she reacted to, to uh, I can't even think of his name. Uh, Tony? Charlie. Charlie. How Charlie was dead was completely different. So, like, I, I didn't really understand her motivations at all. Like, <laughs> it seemed like she wanted him to snap and, like, take care of Tony, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe Tony was just, like, really annoying or he chewed with his mouth open and she was like, I can't go to Brazil with this guy. Like, like, she had to have known at this point, like, she threatened to kill one guy. She may or may not have killed Martin McRae, the first guy. She believes he killed Charlie. And then there's going to bring a third guy, like, a fourth guy in? Come on, like, what? Yeah, this the pattern was a little much. I mean, it, somebody must have caught on to that. I mean, I guess Don did. He caught on pretty quickly. Actually, Don, Trixie Don is <laughs> Trixie's the smartest of all. Uh, but we get Vic, who is killing Tony with just an absolute. He's Vic has an arm. Yeah, that was a great was shot. Funny, the rocks just he turns, oh, gets in the face. Rolls down the hill. He's dead. Vic tries to sink the body. Apparently, doesn't do it well enough. Uh, come on, like, Vic. No, done put him before. in like a foot deep water. <laughs> it's like this is good. Yeah, not uh, deep water. That's the movie name. Yeah, this should have been called "Not Deep Enough Water." <laughs> the picnic. I thought the family. I thought he was going to be caught at the picnic, and maybe he was because she did see. I saw Tony, um, which you know was obviously referencing the ID cards, but also maybe she saw him. That day in the river, I didn't get that, but that make that would make sense. I I would have preferred if Trixie was like, "Hey, that body there, you put him in there." <laughs> yeah, Dad, you did, did you do that? Yeah, I know you did. <laughs> and he would have been like, "Yeah," and she would have gone, "Okay," All right. and they would have went on with their day. They would have sang some more Leo Sayer. <laughs> right, so Vic has to go back. He under the ruse. Well, actually, to go back to find the scarf and then realize that the body is sticking out, he tries to sink it further just by, like, poking it with a big <laughs> yeah, stick. St- what did he think that would do? The body already floated up. <laughs> like, like not really even, than- like, pushing it further down river. <laughs> just kind of like, hey, stay in there. <laughs> 
But this is why, like, I just don't understand Don's role here because, like, he shows up, like, he see he seems surprised to find out what he does, but he's like, I got her scarf. Why, why do you know about the scarf? What like I said, I think I think she found the wallet, and then she must have called Don and sent him to go find the scarf, knowing that Don was gonna see Vic. Did she plant the scarf? Was this an elaborate ruse from Melinda? Well, you know, if I suppose if you, if she did see him the first time, then maybe that was a, uh, you know, a premeditated thing. But I don't know. the The ending suggests otherwise. It's it's, it's tough to say. Yeah, I. Just, but we are treated to the goofiest car chase scene no, I've ever that seen. That was incredible. <laughs> Vic chasing Don on the bike as Don's driving the car. He's like, you're not going to catch me on that bike. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if Don didn't act like a complete moron, <laughs> he could have easily gotten away. He's on. He's in a car. They start freaking texting. Yeah. <laughs> who who had the better who had the better though like line of like, oh I got away didn't I? Was it him or Colin Farrell and Batman? <laughs> like, yeah. But I like how Vic uh, doesn't even have a plan. He like he catches up to him and just falls in front of the car yeah. and like should have been run over. I, I love that Don like had to have his "I told you so" moment with his wife right then yeah. and there. Like like drive out of the woods and then text. <laughs> Or call your wife if you yeah. have to tell her Why so he bad. T- and he is like, oh no, he's fumbling with the phone. <laughs> he's trying to make a sandwich in there. <laughs> and, and when Vic finally falls in front of him and he has to swerve out of the way, he doesn't just crash into a tree. <laughs> His car goes off an embankment and just <laughs> Off the cliff. Smashes that was... and bounces. <laughs> That was the way to end the movie. They did it. This was the one thing Don said that that clued me into his motives. He's yeah. like, oh my god, this is crazy. This is a book. We know that Don is a, you know, kind of not super successful screenwriter and short story writer. Um tough to make a lot of money as purely a short story writer not that it can't be done but it's pretty tough whereas a true crime book mm. there can be some money in that so i think i think that was the motivation yeah same okay fair enough <laughs> it's just it's... i didn't notice that to the second time but once i heard it i'm like that so you're not you're not scared enough for your life right now where you're you're not thinking ah, I'm 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 already writing chapter six on this one. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a murderer chasing you, <laughs> like a guy you just caught hiding a body chasing you, and you're like, ah, this is a book. <laughs> also, really banking on his natural instinct because if Don had thought for just one second, he could have just gone, oh, I'll just run him over. <laughs> like he would have gotten away. I thought that's what was gonna happen at first, but I did too. <laughs> That would have been. I don't know if that would have been the more satisfying ending, though. I I, I was so, thoroughly thoroughly entertained by the actual ending. So the the book ending is wildly different. I read um, in the book, Vic returns home and and strangles Melinda to death. Oh so god! That would have been a wildly different ending from this movie. 
So as listeners, as you may know, I've mentioned on the show before, something I like to do is see what movies are coming out that are adapted from books. And then I read the books before I see the movie. This one I purposefully did not read because I didn't want it to be spoiled. And I guess I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I mean, like for the movie. I see. And I guess it wouldn't have been. So (laughs) that's that's interesting. Instead, we have Melinda finding uh charlie's i or no i'm sorry not charlie tony tony's ids burning them so that there's no evidence i'm assuming to convict vic and then we're out or she she confesses to him that she basically she knows uh, not that she didn't know about all the others she did but you know proof of this one and then that's it we're out mm-hmm that any was some fi- deep water. Yeah, any yeah. final thoughts on deep water? That movie was a roller coaster. But it was fun. Definitely made some questionable choices, but all in all, I, I enjoyed it, especially not having a lot of the context going into it. It was worth the wait. Adrian... If you're if you're making another one, you want Anna de Armas back, more erotic. <laughs> um, I also want to say, I want to ask you guys, how do you think this would have done if it had kept its theatrical release? Do you think it would have done worse or better? Or how the same? Could, what do you What do you mean? As far like, as like critically, maybe not. Well, I guess critically and financially. I, mean, I don't critically, know if we can compare if... financially. Yeah. How do you calculate on a streamer? I'll say I don't think it would have done that well theatrically. No. I, agree. I think people would have been more upset if they spent money on a full movie ticket for this one. No, I would have been cheering and whooping in the theater. <laughs> I mean, those people who who, who are suing for, uh, what movie was it, that yesterday. didn't have Anna Dams yesterday, they would have been pumped. They, they, they would have funded this, made this box office. <laughs> Deepwater 2, Melinda... Um, does Dallas? I don't know. <laughs> I will say that my thoughts coming out of deep water were like, "Blonde can't come soon enough." <laughs> yeah, that was that was just the appetizer. <laughs> uh, well, that was certainly worth the wait for me. So we are going to take a break, and we are going to be back with our final Oscar predictions before the show. After a brief word from our podcast friends. Hello, I'm Anthony, and I'm Doctor Issues. And we're the hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health evaluation of comic book characters. We also chat with some of your favorite creators. Al Ewing. Erica Schultz. Gail Simone. Philip Kennedy Johnson. Chris Claremont. About their work on comics. So check out all our episodes at capesonthecouch.com and follow us at Capes on the Couch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hashtag Because Comics. All right, we're back with our final Oscar predictions before the Oscars on March 27th. One thing I wanted to note before we make our our predictions and our personal picks is a lot of people have been talking about this, but I wanted to hear what you guys thought about this decision by the Academy, not exactly to cut categories, but to cut their presentation during the live show. And I'll explain what that means, but these are the categories that instead of being presented with all the others will be presented before 
the speeches will be recorded and then they will be quickly cut and presented with the live broadcast but they themselves will not be live these are documentary short editing makeup and hairstyling score production design animated short live action short and sound which seem a little random of course they're below the line categories that maybe some more casual viewers are not looking for but i i'm not a fan of it film is such a collaborative effort it doesn't work without everyone firing on all cylinders it is a team thing and i don't know about you guys but watching the oscars as a young person and seeing these categories and learning more about the work that people did um, connected me more to more fields of filmmaking and more jobs and learning about those processes in the art and science work that is done by all the different people who work on film. So I'm not a fan of this decision. How about you guys? I absolutely agree with you. I think this is a night for movie making, um, everybody involved in movies. And I think you're not, you're kind of taking away their spotlight by doing that. Uh, like you said, this is an integral part of movies. Like these, uh, these categories might not be like the big categories people are looking for, but these people deserve that recognition. They deserve to be up there with their peers to get the awards, like they do. Like to just pre pre record them is just kind of like it just kind of makes them feel like lesser. Yeah, even though it's like, unnecessary. Yeah, especially I don't. Maybe there's somebody out there. I don't think any casual viewer tyler i said this to you if you ask them hey you know what change could we make to the oscars uh to make to get you to watch it and they would say well all you have to do is cut documentary short editing makeup and hairstyling original score production design animated short live action short and sound and then i'm gonna watch the whole thing i i don't but, think yeah how much casual... time are they really actually saving with this like an hour Nah, if nah, I don't even think that. Well, that's the thing is, if they're still going to show them, then what's the point of not doing it live? It, it might it's shave not time. some shave some rough edges, but I just I don't really get it. I don't think it's going to have the intended effect, and I think it's insulting to those people who work yeah. so hard. Yeah, absolutely. But the joke's on you, Mike, because they asked me, and that's the exact <laughs> answer I gave. <laughs> I will say one thing, and I'm a nut, nut for the Oscars. It's one of my favorite things all year. I frankly think about it for the entire calendar year, as sad as that is. Um, but one thing I don't enjoy at the Oscars is every movie star having to do like a comedy bit before they <laughs> present. I like stop. We can stop with that. Yeah, that's what they need to cut. Did you see Cats? It's perfect. Like, stop. I don't... Stop. It's so bad sometimes. I don't need it. I'm also not always a big fan of the song performances, but... Mike, are you telling me that you didn't like when Adele Dazim took the stage at the Oscars? I mean, I don't like that it caused John Travolta and her probably pain for the next six years after it. I don't know. It's but it caused Steve Harvey pains. <laughs> yeah, it certainly did. <laughs> no, 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 that was a different event. I'm thinking of Warren Beatty. Oh, oh my God! <laughs> that was that was the my my jaw dropped when that happened. Dropped. <laughs> I don't know. I I'm somebody who wants the Oscars to be an all night event. I do wish it was just like this. so. This is the thing with the Super Bowl and the Oscars. 
they're both on Sunday nights. You can't like fully enjoy them as much as you could if they were on like a Saturday night. And I understand there are different reasons for that not happening, but it does like make it a little annoying that you're like, all right, I'm really enjoying this, but like I do have to go to bed at some point. Well, the thing is, if you're only worried about best picture, just do what a lot of people do with Dateline and just wait until the last five minutes when they reveal who did it. Never. Or who the I best picture is. I will never do that. I will always watch the whole Oscars. I'm, I'm just saying for the for the casual viewer. Oh, yeah, if, I know. Because I'm sure these are the same people that'll watch three hours of Dateline and not think twice about it. I mean, really, you don't even have to do that. You can just look on the variety list of winners the next morning, and that, that'll be good enough if you're a casual yeah. fan. Um, but long live the Oscars. I want them to be on for as long as I am living. All right, you ready for some... Predictions and picks. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. So let's start with a difficult one. I think this one's a little hard. Lead actress. We have Jessica Chastain, Olivia Coleman, Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kidman, and Kristen Stewart. Matt, who do you got? Who's your favorite? What do you think is going to happen? It's actually pretty hard for me because I haven't seen any of them. Okay. Who's your pick? I, I, uh, hmm. I'm glad glad we started this way. <laughs> I guess I'll go Kristen Stewart. And All right, Tyler, I'm moving to you. I I actually think the my prediction of what who they're gonna pick is Kristen Stewart as well. Um, I just think it's you know it's it's I, from what I've heard, um, it's and like you know it's a character of like her performance, but like it's a character like people know like. You know, everyone loves Princess Diana and all that, so I feel like that'll be their pick. I mean, I'd like to see Jessica Chastain. I thought she was phenomenal in Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, I thought you were going to say the 355. No. No. I think it's going... So this is a really hard category because these are all very good performances with uh, maybe the possible exception of Nicole Kidman, who I wasn't... I like Nicole Kidman a lot. Not a big fan (laughs) of being the Ricardos. You've just angered the entire nation of Australia. Yeah. No, I love Nicole Kidman, just not not in that movie. I think it's going to be Jessica Chastain. Um, she got the SAG, and it's not totally clear. I wouldn't really be surprised by anyone here, but I think Chastain's going to take it, and I think that'll be cool. Oscar winner Jessica Chastain. I love Jessica Chastain. Go see the new Oscar uh, nominee or the Oscar winning actress in the three five five. Yeah, we're done with the three five five. We already talked about <laughs> it. We're done with it. It's a, it's all over on this show. Maybe it'll make an appearance on our award show next year uh, for one particular <laughs> award. Uh, lead actor: We have Javier Bardem, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, and Denzel Washington. Matt, who do you got for this one? I got Andrew Garfield for this one as my personal pick. Who do you think is going to win? Depending on how artsy the uh, Academy's feeling this year, I want to go with Denzel for Hmm. Tragedy of Macbeth. Tyler? I say Will Smith, personal, and I think he's going to win it. Um, That's just kind of like one of those performances that... You know, like this career actor that everyone knows just really gives his best performance. And, like, I, lo- I think the Academy awards that a lot. Yeah, I think Will Smith is going to win as well. Again, not not going to be super surprised if somebody, I mean, somebody else wins. Um, 
King Richard was super, super buzzy when it came out, and deservedly so. I really like that movie. We have a full review on it, a whole episode on Will Smith, in fact. But it seems to have, like, fallen, at least as far as, like, Oscar buzz. So maybe not as big a contender as it once was. So we'll see. Supporting actress, Jesse Buckley, Ariana DeBose, Judy Dench, uh, Kirsten Dunst, and Anjanou Ellis. Matt. I got Ariana DeBose on this one for both. My own personal pick and winner. Predictable. I, I said the same. I mean, just like the choreography and everything. Like your performances outside of the musical bits was phenomenal, but just like the the dancing and everything that she did, like I think she deserves it because she put a lot into that role. Yeah, I same here. It's unanimous. Although I do think everybody else is very good. Still, not sure why Judy Dench was given this nomination. I mean, it is Judy Dench, so you can't doubt that completely. But it was surprising to me. Especially, like, it wasn't like it was going to be somebody who was in another movie. It was over Katrina Balfe, who was in the same movie mm-hmm. in a larger part. So, yeah. Katrina Balfe was robbed. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that'd be great if she ran on stage during the show. <laughs> and she's in black and white. All right, Best Supporting Actor, Kieran Hines, Troy Kotzer, Jesse Plemons, J.K. Simmons, ugh, and Cody Smith-McPhee. Yeah. <laughs> I will not accept this J.K. Simmons slander. Again, I love J.K. Simmons. Love him to death. Not the role. Not the role. I got... I'm I'm batting for Troy Kotzer. I'm going to fight the CODA haters all day. With that said, I'm not going to be shocked if Smith McPhee actually wins it. Tyler. I, I agree, Cody Smith McPhee. Personally, I think uh, he's my pick, and I think they're gonna pick him because he did an incredible job of like this, like almost two-faced character that like you didn't see coming. So yeah, so I, I think it's I'm gonna pretty- piggyback on what Matt said. I can't totally disagree with either of you, and I won't be surprised if either of those win. I do think the momentum has shifted to Troy Kotzer, and there is a discussion to be had over whether momentum is any. Thing actually meaningful or if um, if it's just in our imagination um, but uh, he did get the sag and he's been winning more than Cody has and it's also um, you know there is the storyline of Troy's been working for decades and um, you know Cody is a young guy and he does an incredible job but sometimes the Oscars kind of saves awards for later in people's careers so I, I'm thinking it's Troy I just want to say I haven't heard this much talk about momentum since I watched like a Tony Romo broadcast <laughs> like football game. Ooh, Jim. <laughs> Ooh, Jim, they got the momentum now. <laughs> uh, let's go to some some other categories. Animated feature. This is this has been like a constant lineup. We have Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells versus the Machines, great movie, and Ryan the Last Dragon. Matt, what do you got? So, of these, I've only seen Ryan and the Last Dragon, so I guess I gotta give my pick to that. As far as what might actually win, mm, it seems like people like Uncanto quite a bit, so I guess I'm gonna pick that as my guess for who's gonna win. Tyler. I think it's gonna be Encanto. I think that's what's gonna win. 
But I mean, I, I like to see Luca win. I enjoyed Luca a lot. Yeah, I, I've seen all of these. I really like all of them. I think that the Mitchells versus the Machines is like the most inventive animation, combining like two D and three D in this. You know, it, which is reflecting the hobbies and the the interests of the characters. I would really like to see that win. I wouldn't be disappointed. I also think Encanto is going to win. That's my my prediction. Which is not a disappointment by any means. That's a very good movie that I liked a lot. I would also like to see Luca win, though. I, I liked Luca a lot, and it's kind of the conversation. Or, sorry, that sounds stupid, but the conversation around Luca, which just sounds silly saying it. But I feel like I just haven't heard as many people talking about that that movie uh, in the past year, and I really liked it. So, uh, original score. We have the scores for Don't Look Up, Dune, and Kanto, Parallel Mothers, and The Power of the Dog. Matt. So this is going to be one of those few and far between moments when I actually give the power of the dog any credit. Okay. Willingly. Um, I, I, I have that as my pick and for the pick of what's going to win. I did. I, I'm, I'm still surprised to see Don't Look Up on here because I don't really remember anything special about the score there. I remember the original song, but not so much about the score on that one. Yeah, um, the song not even nominated. But, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I feel like the score for Power of the Dog actually was pretty good. So that's my pick. Yeah, done by Johnny Greenhood of Radiohead. Uh, Tyler, what do you think? I also would pick Power of the Dog, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Encanto took it. I think it's going to be Dune. Hans Zimmer, um, probably this, like, one of the top most famous composers and also, apparently, he invented instruments for making the score of this oh, movie. I thought you just said he invented instruments, like, in general. Well, he... <laughs> he invented the instruments. Well, he did, and he just used them to make the score for this movie. All instruments. There's no instruments. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. The Dune. I, the Dune. a second to realize what you were saying. Yeah. He lived thousands I, I, of years ago. I hope Dune doesn't win anything because Dune was so goddamn boring. Um, I, I, I concur. I don't, I don't want to say I don't want it to win things, but if I, I I'm telling the truth, I don't. I didn't hate Dune. Didn't like I, I it. just it wasn't my favorite. Yeah. Original song: "Be Alive" from King Richard. Dos Orguitas from Encanto. Down to Joy from Belfast, No Time to Die from that movie, and Somehow You Do from Four Good Days, a movie I don't know a single person who saw that. I'm not trying to insult it, but it was written by Diane Warren, who has been nominated like 20-something times. So, Wait, from what movie? What movie was No Time to Die from? From Octopussy. <laughs> That's actually... So, no. Um, that No Time to Die... Is actually going to be my pick and my prediction. Um, it's my pick. The one from Encanto is that we don't talk no, about Bruno. No, it's not. Oh, it's not. Okay, then. <laughs> I I literally don't even remember "Be Alive." If I'm being honest. I don't either. I I don't remember that from there. Um, the only one I know of is "No Time to Die." Then. So. You don't remember "Down but to I... Joy," the Van Morrison in the beginning of Oh, Belfast. Down to Joy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that would be my pick. I do remember that. Okay. Yeah, I played at the beginning. Yes. 
<laughs> I'm also gonna predict No Time to Die. They really liked the Bond songs. I don't really like this one. It's just I don't know. It's kind of blah to me. Well, I like um, the movie. Yeah, I like the movie. I, it is okay. Um, but I, that's what I think is going to win. However, I won't be surprised if it's something else. The Encanto song wave is definitely strong. All right, international feature. We have Drive My Car from Japan. Drive My Car. Flee from Denmark. <laughs> the Hand of God from Italy. Lunana, a yak in the classroom from Bhutan. And the worst person in the world from Norway. I just want to show this picture that I made. You can't see it now, but that is Patrick Mahomes' pic- picture on the worst person in the world poster. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't call him the worst. I wouldn't. I mean, there's at least a couple quarterbacks I'd put there over him. That's a Tyler Sitkus original image. <laughs> Tyler Sitkus original film. <laughs> Correct. But it's drive my car. That's the answer. There's, yeah. there's literally no other option. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there was going to be another one, it would be the worst person in the world. Um, I didn't talk much about the others. Flea, an animated documentary. Very good film. Hand of God. Not the best, but I enjoy it very much. Um, And Lunana Yak in the Classroom. A pretty good movie. Um, All the people in it are incredibly enjoyable and fun to be around. But yeah, this is Drive My Car, which is nominated for Best Picture. I still want to lament the fact that Titan was robbed. Yeah. Absolutely. I will fight the Academy <laughs> in a fist fight right now. Especially with France's history of of getting nominated for this. It's it's interesting. But they're like, wow, this wasn't uh horny enough for France. Yeah. <laughs> Documentary feature we have Ascension. I just want to mention Ascension is a documentary, a very like mosaic roving documentary about consumerism in modern china and it is mesmerizing mesmerizing there's like no dialogue at all except like some you know brief snippets of conversation between workers or employees or uh, citizens and things like that it's some of it is like a how it's made episode some of it is like training for different jobs. It I, like I don't even know how to describe it, but like I could watch that thing all day. Ascension is great. Attica is also great about the prison riot. Flea's good. Summer of Soul, like it's just an, an incredible experience. Fun, so much energy. And then writing with fire, I didn't get to see because it is like not available yet. Uh, which I, I really like. Please make everything available before the Oscars in some way, shape, or form. Please. That really annoys me. We just need to become Academy members. Yeah, and then we'll get the streaming service. All right, my my forty year plan to become a <laughs> member of the Academy starts now. Uh, what do you have, Matt, for documentary feature? I didn't see any of these, so I what have do you no think? Input. Um, Flea, I guess. All right, Tyler. So my stance on a documentary is that if it's true, it's crapperoo. So <laughs> no, but I've only seen Summer of Soul, so I would I want that. I'd yeah. say that wins. That's not one I was able to see. I'm gonna predict Summer of Soul. It could be Flea, but I'm I'm gonna inch towards Questlove. That movie is truly an experience that I loved. That was really good. All right, cinematography. We have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, the Tragedy of Macbeth. And West Side Story, Matt. My personal pick is Nightmare Alley. All right, you think that's gonna win? 
I'm between that or maybe Macbeth. Hmm. Yeah, it could be. Tyler, what do you think? Surprisingly, this is one of the toughest ones for me. I could see any of these. I, I mean, could too. Um, I, yeah. I could. I'd like Nightmare Alley too myself, but like, I wouldn't be shocked if any of these won. Yeah, I. Hmm. I think I'm going to predict the power of the dog. Uh, cinematography done by Ari Wegner. I don't know why, but that's what I'm feeling. Um, I can't really articulate it. Other than that, uh, would be a historic win for for Ari Wigner. So I, I am going to I'm going to say that, but not not super confident in it. Uh, costume design: We have Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. Matt, what do you think? Um, truthfully, I feel like West Side Story is going to get it, hmm. but I'm batting for Cyrano. Yeah, Tyler. I want to see you get something. I'm going to say Cyrano so you don't get mad at me. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think West Side Story has a chance. And I think if the fact that Dune got nominated is awful because, God, the costumes and that were just like black suits that were so bland. But what about the dresses? And, mm. the, and like the facial jewelry and stuff. Yeah. Hey, don't forget, don't forget those holographic shield things. Those are part of the costume, right? Yeah, that's lame. Don't forget when he was like covered in muck or whatever that was. I'm just like I got like I'm tired of kind of like uh, just sci-fi that's just dark black and brown like everything, and that that's what that was to me. So. Yeah, I wasn't as blown away by the visuals as everyone else. I'm gonna be a little wild and say Cruella's gonna win. However, mm-hmm. I do want Cyrano to win because Cyrano got robbed. Of some nominations, absolutely robbed. Haley Bennett, uh, for one, should have been a Best Actress nominee, even though she was not, unfortunately. All right, we're gonna move to editing. We have Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, and a rare Tick Tick Boom nomination. So, Matt, what do you think? I'm I'm batting for Tick Tick Boom as my personal choice. Um, okay. The only movie on this list that was it was under two hours, wasn't it? I or was it over? I believe so. I believe like, so. It was it was a nice clean runtime. I was entertained throughout. I thought a lot of the I just thought the editing was really sharp on it. Not that it was necessarily bad on the other ones, but I think uh, I was the less the least bored with this one. Okay. Kind of attribute that to good some good editing. Tyler. So ever since, uh, just a just a brief aside on this award, ever since Bohemian Rhapsody won an editing award, I've realized the Academy doesn't really care about editing. Um, so I could see Dune winning just because it's buzzy. I, I'd give it to Power of the Dog personally. Hmm. Uh, but I don't think the Academy really cares that much about editing. I don't know. I thought the Power of the Dog was sloppy with some of the time jumps they did. Whoever edited the fart in King Richard <laughs> needs to be the reason King Richard doesn't So win. here's the thing, <laughs> is that... At the Ace Eddie Awards, um, Tick Tick Boom took comedic feature, and King Richard took dramatic feature in a bit of a surprise. At the what? The Ace Eddie, the editors. Oh, okay. I did not know that was a thing. Yep. I'm the Academy. I don't... (laughs) Pretty much every guild has their own awards. Um, So, yeah, I I think I'm going to say... 
King Richard. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna predict King Richard. Yeah, AC American Cinema Editors. So, the f- don't look up. Come on, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're just throwing awards at this movie for no reason. It didn't deserve best editing. It was a lot of editing. I'll say that. It. I don't think it deserved best editing either. As Man. probably the biggest proponent of that movie, I don't think that deserved it either. Man, I love that. Me that like. My power of the dog is Tyler's don't look up and vice versa. Yeah. I like that we have that dynamic right now. You know what mine is. We'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, makeup and hairstyling coming to America. Did either of you see that? I did actually, yeah. It was pretty good. It was alright. Yeah, it was, was alright. The original is a classic. I just watched the original, but so coming to America, Cruella Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci, loan nomination, Matt. Um, I'm ba- I'm batting for House of Gucci. On All this right. One. They had me convinced Jared Leto was an old Italian man. Tyler. I feel like the Academy often awards like people in overused makeup, so I could see House of Gucci <laughs> yeah. winning. I said Tammy Faye though. I think is my like dark horse. Like when she looked like at the end, towards the end of that movie, it was just wild. Like that they did for that. So. That's the reason that I'm going to predict the eyes of Tammy Faye, because there is no movie without that. That is the movie. Yeah. I'm not like saying that the rest of the stuff wasn't important. It was, but that is the main centerpiece. Um, so I'm going to predict the eyes of Tammy Faye. All right. Production design. Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Yeah. I, I'm, my personal pick is Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. I really like the set pieces, especially with the carnival stuff. With that said, I'm sure the Academy is going to end up going with Power of the Dog because they love Western stuff and old timey-wimey stuff like that. Tyler. Um, so I agree on Nightmare Alley. I think that's my personal pick. I like that you said the carnival stuff is phenomenal. I think that was really good. But um, I think Macbeth's going to win it personally. Mm. I... I'm going to be hopeful here, and I'm going to predict Nightmare Alley. However, I could see it being Dune. Just because of like the world-building aspect of Arrakis and all that. Don't get me wrong, I don't want it to win. And also, I, I don't want to just bash on Dune all the time. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if that one, but I'm going to predict Nightmare Alley. Uh, bashing on Dune? I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe the second one. Uh, sound. We have Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. I'm predicting Dune. What do you guys think? I could see Dune. I, you know, whenever I think of No Time to Die, I think of the trailer we've seen a million times in the theater of mm. Anna de Armas firing the gun and it's loud as It's the meatiest gun sound ever. So yeah. I think, uh, I I checked off Power of the Dog on this one. Okay, why? Um, I I thought the uh, the sound editing was pretty tight. Honestly, I I don't really have a whole lot to elaborate on it. But all right, well, that'll be an interesting one. Now here's a a real interesting one: visual effects, Dune, <laughs> Free Guy, No Time to Die. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm also going to predict Dune here. 
I, I, I predict Dune as well. I, I can't not bat for Spider-Man on this one. Uh, like, I wanted to get something. I really, I'm, I really wanted to get something. I, I'll be, I'm not going to be shocked if it's Dune, either. Hmm. But, I. No Way Home had some very janky visual effects, and the fact that it got nominated is absolutely wild to me. I know, but I'm just clinging on to this 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 sliver of hope that it might get something for for something. Janky. That's. I'd love to see that quote on one of those ads where like they show people's <laughs> tweets, testimonials. <laughs> it was kind of janky. All right, adapted screenplay. We have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Just know that the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, just awarded Coda as adapted screenplay. What do you guys think? As much as I really want to bat for Coda on this one, I got to give it to Drive My Car on my personal pick. Hmm. As far as what might actually win, it's probably going to be Coda. Tyler. Yeah, I would also back uh, drive my car personally, but yeah, Coda likely take. I can really oh. see any of these. Um, hmm, I don't want it to be Coda, please. Uh, <laughs> there's your, there's your one, right? Nope, oh, we're good. Yes, well, yeah, that is my one. I'm gonna be a little bold and say that they reward the lost daughter here. There seems to be a lot of love for that movie. And it might not break through to the Academy, but just for a crazy pick, I'll pick it. All right, original screenplay. We have Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and The Worst Person in the World. Don't Look Up was just awarded by the WGA for original screenplay, which was a shock to wow. me. A shock. The Writers Guild of America is out of their minds. They're yeah. out of their damn minds. <laughs> I need Stephen. I'm gonna hire Stephen A to come on and just just give a rant about that in my stead. <laughs> what do you guys think? I wanted to give this to Licorice Pizza, but I'm gonna go with King Richard instead. Actually, hmm, interesting. Tyler, Belfast is my pick. Huh. This is another one where this is what I love about the screenplay categories. I there's. I feel like there's almost never a huge, huge front runner, which I love. Belfast, I can see the Kenneth Branagh thing. It's a very personal story. So Don't Look Up, I've read the screenplay to Don't Look Up. And I absolutely adore the concept of Don't Look Up. There's there's too much fat on there, though, I think. And it, I think it's even more apparent when, when I read at least whatever version of the screenplay I read. So I don't know. Uh, but hey, maybe the WGA win could could be an indicator. King Richard, I really liked. It's very, it's a very even screenplay, consistent. Licorice Pizza, I could definitely see them awarding Paul Thomas Anderson. But I'm gonna go for a crazy pick with this one as well and say the worst person in the world. There seems to be a lot of love for that movie too. Um, I don't remember anyone ever consulting me about having making a movie about me. <laughs> yeah, that is. You are not in it. And your likeness is not in it, so. But maybe you could still sue. Let Patrick Mahomes have his has his moment. No. Have his moment. <laughs> Can't even speak. My I'm anger to, for Patrick I'm Mahomes. Assume, well, he will not be at the Oscars, I don't think. I'm gonna assume you guys didn't see any of the shorts. You no. would be correct. 
All right, let me let me just go on about the shorts for a minute. First of all, respect to the shorts. I love watching the shorts. It, it, when they're available, sometimes they're not, and it's a little tricky and all that stuff. I'll go quickly. And you know what my favorite category of shorts always is? And that's the animated ones. Um, and this year they went off the rails. I did not really enjoy this crop of animated ones and, in fact, was was kind of disturbed by a couple of them. <laughs> I won't go, go too in-depth um, I, I want you to go in yeah. depth. Now I'm intrigued. Okay, well, get ready for this. So one of them is Affairs of the Art, which... So I watch all the animated ones every year and for a few years now. So there are five a year. I've watched a lot of the shorts, and I watch other ones that are not Oscar-nominated. And this was the most unpleasant one that I have seen. Just like... I like I, it was hard to get through the 15 minutes of it. It was like grotesque and sick and like I've seen movies with grosser things in it, but none that were less palatable than this. What is it about? So it is about a, it's like a very loose stru- first of all, it starts with like a man's big butt cheeks like walking up the stairs <laughs> which hey congrats to anybody who likes men's butt cheeks that's that's cool but it's a loose structure like this woman looking back on her childhood and like the different paths that her and her basically about her like eccentric family and there is like significant animal abuse in this and like tax and like like desecrating of animals bodies and all this kind of stuff and it's like meant to be i I don't know like kind of darkly humorous kind of snarky but it's just not funny it's just really gross i mean no offense to the the creators of that but like deeply unpresent i would never recommend it to another person i was not expecting that to go there yeah just like really no thank you um bestia which is well made and has interesting animation but it is about uh based on the life of a real woman ingrid olderok who uh, was a german born and worked for the secret police in chile and tortured people so this is also a very disturbing short in in many ways there is also violence against an animal in a very shocking way and violence committed <laughs> by an animal um there's box ballet which not available so i didn't get to watch and robin robin is the one like that is the one like for children animated one it's like a half hour it's on netflix it's about a robin who is adopted by a family of mice it's like a mini christmas musical Hmm. i enjoyed it not my favorite thing in the world but i enjoy it and then the windshield wiper is like this mosaic almost avant-garde uh meditation on modern dating and love in los angeles and it was like this is fine so not my favorite year for the animated shorts i'm gonna predict robin robin and i'll be like pretty mad if anything else wins (laughs) um live action sure i'm gonna go with the long goodbye the riz ahmed one and documentary sure i'm gonna go with audible all right two more director 
We have Paul Thomas Anderson, Kenneth Brana, Jane Campion, Ryuzuke Hamaguchi, and Steven Spielberg. What do you guys think? So my personal favorite has got to be Hamaguchi. For sure. Um, and again, that's coming from someone who really it really enjoyed licorice pizza. However, my my um, strong admiration for licorice pizza has kind of waned over the last couple of months. Hmm. In all honesty, is there a reason for that, or do you think it's just kind of a distance thing? I mean, yeah, it's a distance thing. Like I, I loved it when I first saw it, but the more I get from the farther out I get from it, I I think yeah, it was fine, but it wasn't like. It was okay. Like, yeah, it was cool. good. Um, but um, I really want Hamaguchi to win. However, unless the Academy is really keeping track of current events, I think Jane Campion is still a shoe-in for this one. Do you think that could hurt her at all, like, realistically? Well, I I don't know. It depends on, like I said, it depends on how, uh, how the Academy f- considers stuff like that. All right, Tyler. Are they not voted on already? Well, yeah, by now, but... Okay. Uh... Well, yeah, I guess it depends on when they voted, too. Yeah, true. Right, Tyler, what do you think? I think Campion's going to win it, um, but I'd, I'd love to see Paul Thomas Anderson win it. Yeah, it's interesting that we've never seen PTA win. I don't think this is the one. I could be wrong, um, but I don't think this is the one. Yeah, that's kind of the... No, but there's... No, go ahead, sorry. I was gonna say you we've seen that before where like it's not their their top role but they win for it. Like the no, the revenant's not DiCaprio's best role. Um like I always think of like John Wayne winning it for true grit. Like that wasn't his best role. Yeah, I mean you you're not not an ounce of that is wrong, but I, I'm I'm feeling campion that this is her year. Alright, the big one, best picture we have Belfast, Coda, don't look up. Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. What do you guys think? Can I give like a top three? Sure. Because, I, I mean, it, I it, is, wanna... it is preferential balloting, so that would make sense. I mean, I, I, I got a bat for Coda. I really enjoyed Coda quite a bit. Um, I also want to put down drive my car and probably west side story are my top three not necessarily in a particular order but i would love to see either of any of those three win what do you think is the one it pains me to say it but the power of the dog Mm. tyler power of the dog is my choice as well honestly but i would be happy with anything other than don't look up even do i think that'd be great Yes, if if it's between Dune oh and Don't Look Up, yes, Dune. Gross. Absolutely. That's disgusting. <laughs> I gotta go wash my mouth out. That's gross. Ah, I'm yeah. I'm gonna be safe and say it's the power of the dog. However, with prefer, let me do a little process of elimination, and then we can get out of here. It's not gonna be West Side Story. It's not gonna be Nightmare Alley. I don't think it's gonna be Licorice Pizza. I don't think it's going to be Dune. Mm, that leaves Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, King Richard, and The Power of the Dog. 
You're not going to eliminate Don't Look Up there. <laughs> well, there's a reason why I keep it. It is about a pressing issue. I don't think it got quite enough nominations, but I could I could see it. Also, a ton of people got to see Don't Look Up. Whereas unfortunately, you know, it's right there on Netflix. I'm not I'm not sure if the numbers for the other films it, it, match. If if you if if the Academy decides to award a good message for a mediocre film, they've learned nothing from the Green Book. Okay, well, that's what look. a lot of people are saying about Coda too, which is annoying. Is all heck. I like I liked Coda, so I mean I liked Coda too. I mean it's easy for me to to. But exactly, that's your statement. I liked Coda. I but, loved Coda, honestly. No, I'm just saying. Like, I don't think it's a mediocre film. That, like, I think I, it's I, a good message. I think I, it's a good feel-good film. I, I read someone yeah. equate it to a Disney Channel original movie, and I no, thought that was the most garbage take ever. Yeah, it's better than that. Listen, I'm obviously the person who likes it the least, but it's it's a very well-made movie. It's it's very good. It's got a lot of very good themes. I just don't think it's anywhere near the best movie of the year. I'd love to see um, Ryosuke Hamaguchi pull a Bang Jun Ho though, and then just yeah, that'd be very cool. Just make another statement for international features at the Oscars. Yeah. However, I don't think it's going to be Drive My Car. I don't think it's going to be Don't Look mm-hmm. Up. At a certain point, I thought it might have been King Richard. That seems to have fallen by the wayside. So I'm going to say that. So also Belfast. Mm-mm. I felt like Belfast was the very early front runner. Um, doesn't seem that way now. Although Belfast could also benefit from the preferential ballot. That's also very just like enjoyable movie. Even though that's not my favorite one either. I, I'm still going to give it you know, to Power of the Dog. I... If they're gonna not, you know, you just think if they nominate it, don't look up. You think every movie that was released last year should just be on this list? <laughs> Wait, say that again. If if don't look up is on this list, then every movie that was released last year should also be on this really? list for best Home picture during the worst movie year. Oh, you mean twenty twenty? Yeah, I'm sorry, like, I thought yeah. you meant twenty twenty. Uh, during twenty, no, okay. during twenty twenty one. I mean, every if you're putting don't look up on there, you got to put every other movie. Oh, that was stop! Released. Uh, stop! <laughs> What was your worst movie of the year award? I don't remember. Mine? It, was, it wasn't uh, Don't Look home. Up. It was not. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, Home Sweet Home Alone can stay, can stay off the list. So can Venom and Let There Be Carnage. If Don't Look Up wins, I hope Adam McKay just walks up there and goes, the climate change is really a mixed shame. And then he just walks off the stage. <laughs> Then you just see me sprinting out of stage after him. Just cuts to technical difficulty. All right, well, that's it. Any final thoughts before the ceremony? Just know that I really, really, really don't want Smormu. <laughs> Tyler, what are you? What about you? So my thoughts are, like, I wasn't going to watch this, but, like, I was like, you know, I'd watch this if they cut documentary short film editing, makeup and hairstyling, original score, production design, animate short, live action short, and sound. So, you know, they got my view. I can imagine the day when they made the announcement, you were like, yeah! I was like, it's going to be a great yeah. year! 
All right, well, if you have Oscar predictions, you want to react to the Oscar winners, you like Deepwater, Adrian Lyon, any of that, you can write to us at silverscreensaverspod at gmail.com. If you like the show, it could really help us out by telling your friends and rate and review it on your favorite podcast apps. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ScreensaversPod and our Facebook is Silver Screen Savers Podcast. Matt, where can you be found online? You can find me at MattyXSturds, S-T-U-R-D-Z. That is on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Nice. Tyler. Find me at Tyler Sutkus on Twitter and Instagram and Tyler96 on Letterboxd. All right. I can be found on Instagram and Twitter at Michael underscore Gallet and on Letterboxd at MGallet. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Here's to the people who listen to the end. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Peace. Silver Screen Savers podcast was co-created, written, hosted, and produced by Michael Gallant, Tyler Sukkis, and Matt Sturdivant, with additional editing by Matt Sturdivant, intro music by Charles Michel via Pixabay, logo design by Nathan Seidel.